welcome to today's episode of Nuts and Bolts. Today we are talking about technology and automation in Australian construction. We're going to unpack um, building codes and regulation in Australia. And then we're also going to tap into building finance in Australia. And who finances that? Where does it come from? What are the legalities around it? So let's get stuck in. Welcome to Nuts and Bolts, where your deep dive into the evolving trends of the construction world. Your champions for business owners, entrepreneurs, and women making their mark in the industry. Join your hosts, Sue and Scott, as we shape the future of construction one episode at a time. Scott Challen from the QHI Group here with Sue from Elevate Construction Marketing, and this is the Nuts, Nuts and Bolts Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> hey, Sue, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. It feels good to be doing my first uh, podcast episode with a Rogan of some description. Yeah. Not the infamous Joe Rogan. Not there yet, but I'm certain that uh, one day, you know... You'll be um, selling my signature off somewhere. Yeah, yeah you could you could definitely be as famous. Well, let's aim for the stars and see where we end up with this thing, and That's uh, exactly hopefully right. it will it'll play out okay. But at least I can say I did my first ever podcast with a Rogan of some description. Yep. I'm sure you guys must be related somewhere back on the Mayflower yeah. or of some boat. That I wonder sailed if I can England. get his DNA somehow and test it. Uh, maybe we'll have to look. I think into he's that. got Italian heritage. Yeah, I think there's something in there. All right, let's, let's talk uh, about the knots and bolts. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Nuts and Bolts Podcast with Sue Rogan and Scott Challen. So technology and disruptions uh, in the building industry, and we see a lot of different software programs, and we see, especially with marketing and with building and construction, estimation all the way through to project management stuff. That's just a really small part of what we see happening. What's some of the stuff you see in the marketing side of things with building? In regards to marketing and construction, construction was the last industry to take up digital marketing, AI, automation, whatever you want to call it. Statistically speaking, we're the last industry to, to pick it up and take it on board. So we're starting to see that push through now where we can start and to see BIM modelling and we're starting to see layout tools and, and replacing those sorts of things on site. The big thing is for me as well, a lot of people are afraid of AI. You know, it's it's new, it's scary, it's happening, it's happening at a really rapid pace. It's coming, it's coming at us like straight away. For me... I just want to remind people that AI doesn't replace jobs. It replaces tasks. It's a resource that we've got at our fingertips. Don't be afraid to jump in and use it. And so with what we do and our focus on small business and entrepreneurship in many ways, those kind of tools like AI, and we hear a lot about ChatGPT, there's more than that. There's other things that people can do to scale their business and grow their business and do a lot of their own uh, work in-house with these tools. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like if we're talking CRM systems as well, like I know you and I both use CRM systems. Marketers statistically or love analytics. I love diving into data. I love well, watching da- trends. Data is the new oil. I yeah. hear that all the time. I yeah. say it all the time and it's 100%. If you aren't data analyzing your own business with um, the numbers and the metrics that are coming through, you're doing something, you're missing the boat completely. Yeah. So that ties in with definitely with CRMs these days as well, because yeah. most good CRM systems, especially in the building industry, will have a lot of that stuff built into the back end of it already. Yeah, yeah. So you can track not only your sales performance and your leads and your lead generation that's coming through, but then you can track your, your staff, like your sales staff and see it's not uh, measurable 
thing to see how they're performing, nothing like that, but then use AI and use these technologies to say, how can we assist this staff member who isn't hitting their KPIs? What can we do for them? If you're a small business that's trying to create their own marketing content Mm -hmm. out of their CRM, what sort of things would you recommend that they be looking at and doing? Definitely. The first one I'd look at is a scheduling platform. If you've just got a Facebook and an Instagram account, if you're a really small business, um, that's completely fine. By the way, you know, a lot of businesses think that they need to be on these big CRM platforms. If you don't, you don't need to. So use a scheduling platform, use Meta if that works for you, or, you know, you've got the big CRMs like we use HubSpot that can schedule your marketing for you. So then you can get into things like batch creating where you can create all your content at one time, schedule it, and it's done. And it's done for the week. And then you can focus on other areas of your business that yeah, you want to sure. business growth, development, that sort of thing. And so you mentioned HubSpot there, and that's a yep. really, really important tool. And we're seeing that as the kind of CRM of choice at the moment. When you think about CRMs, we see Salesforce and there's a few others that are big names around, but HubSpot and Salesforce seem to have the market dominated. Yep. I lean more towards HubSpot because I do use HubSpot across multiple businesses under my group of companies. Yep. HubSpot's great because you can batch market in there. So set up your marketing and schedule it within HubSpot as well when it's linked into your Meta account. But also with HubSpot, you can track all of your leads that are coming through and you can track your interaction with those leads. You can track the performance of your team interacting with those leads and keep a close eye on your KPIs and dashboards in there too to make sure you're kicking those goals and reaching those targets. The best thing about it, and I don't want to sound like I'm an ambassador for HubSpot, but the subscriptions are ridiculously cheap for small business. Yeah. And the the capabilities, you can link your Google Analytics to there as well, or your Google Ads. So that's sort of digital marketing space. Yeah. Just as simple as integrating your Gmail account into your HubSpot account means you can send an email from Gmail and it will automatically log and track through uh, through HubSpot as well, yep. which is ridiculously powerful tool. It's a really simple thing. When we what we, we like to focus on, and what I like to talk about a lot is how do you scale a small business? Yeah. Right. Technology is the solution to scaling. There's a lot of people out there that are still quoting on pen and paper, yep. trying to work things out uh, manually. Um, don't have any idea how to set up advertising. When the tools are there to do it, there's some really simple explanation videos on YouTube on how to use Meta, for example. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I conduct workshops as well. I teach people how to do this. You know, they come through and there's an anxiety in the market where they're, I don't know, it's too big for me. I, I'm, you know, I'm scared to use it, you know, and then you've got um, companies like, like I'll take workshops through people where I can teach them. And then it's like that aha moment where it's like, no, this works for my business. So what's the most popular thing that you teach out of your marketing company? Oh, I think it depends really. I don't think there's one that's more popular than the other. Um, they're just different avenues. So I've got um, Facebook, I do Google, which is which is quite popular, and then Canva and LinkedIn as well. And it depends on where your market sits as to what the people want out of it. And then sometimes people might be okay with Facebook and want to start leaning into to Google and yeah. then come in through a workshop that so way. So that could be as simple as doing a Canva workshop with you, learning how to put a graphic together or learning how to use Canva for example, which yeah. isn't overly complicated, but it can be daunting if you've never done anything like that before. Yeah. And uh, and then just creating your own ad yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. And scheduling it and yep. you're done and that's yep. it. <laughs> and then tracking the metrics for that out right. the back end of HubSpot with a really simple subscription model from them. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my point being is let's not be afraid of it. Let's try it. Dip your toe in. It's coming. It's coming at us. 
AI replaces tasks. Have you um, used ChatGPT yet? I have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been using ChatGPT for a while now. Yeah. 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 And there's others like WriteSonic is really good. So yeah. that's another automated program that you can use to do blog articles and whatnot. Sure. I don't use it for everything. Yeah. Sometimes it might be just generating ideas or, you know, um, it doesn't have to do everything for you. But if you just get stuck on something, just throw it into ChatGPT. Yeah, what I tend to find though is like if I've got to write something or I've got to create some content, I'll go ChatGPT and using the correct prompts, give me give me five dot points on such and such. Yeah. And I'll use those five dot points and then I'll expand the written content out of yeah. that. So it's still creative. It's still my own ideas or my own thoughts going into it, but it's given me some prompts around some things I might not have considered before. Yeah. So really simple things like that. The other thing is you can hashtag an SEO content in there. Yeah. So you can put content back into the platform and then ask it to SEO it heavy for you yeah. and then let it rewrite it, which yeah. is, I reckon, it's just incredible. And this is amazing. I guess when you're talking about the mum and dad businesses that we talk a lot, you know, the dad or the, yeah. you know, the husband's out on the tools and, yeah. and the wife has to do everything else. Yeah. But there's companies out there that charge tens of thousands of dollars to do this stuff for you, especially yeah. when it comes to creating advertising yeah. and, and being a business owner and having been involved in spending huge budgets on advertising over the, over the last 20 odd years, I've had every type of advertising rep sit in front of me and guarantee me that their product is the best one. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're going to get X amount of leads. And even back in the days of the yellow pages, remember that thing, that book that used to get delivered <laughs> around, you stand on it to get something from the top shelf. I think I used to make Christmas trees out of it as well, a kid, you like remember, hold the corners in. It was literally two volumes, right? And it was about <laughs> yes. that big. And now I got one, I think it was about three months ago and it was like an inch thick. You yeah, know? And yeah, I'm looking yeah. at these businesses in there going, oh, you guys are still in there trying. And look, I, I, I know there's a market for it still. Yeah. Um, there's still some uh, some people that don't know how to use an iPhone or aren't tech savvy that still rely on the yellow pages to find yeah. a plumber or an electrician. Yeah. I get that. Um, once upon a time, I remember a full page ad in the yellow pages was over $30,000. Yeah, right. That was like 20 years ago. Ouch. <laughs> and those reps used to get paid 10% commissions on those sales too. Yeah, so it was right. huge money being a yellow pages rep. Yeah, Now right. look at us, right? We're teaching people how to use technology yeah. so they don't have to drop 30 k on advertising. Yeah. So cost per leads have come down because of the ability to generate cheap leads online. Yeah. And where these marketing companies that do the work for you, I guess, uh, are kind of um, where they've found their wedge and their angle is going, oh, well, look, you're just a dumb tradie. I'll do this for you and I'll charge you X amount of dollars for it. When there's a lot of avenues for these people to learn that stuff themselves. Yeah. And then gone are the days where you could buy AdWords, like Google AdWords and rank on your, you know, top the next day. Well, it's pretty heavy now. Yeah, it's really heavy. Yeah. And uh, cost per click, you know, suddenly you're looking at five, ten, twenty dollars for some of that. And you're just going, Liz, my budget, it's chewed up in 14 minutes. (laughs) You know, because one of your competitors jumped on there and clicked on it five times. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Savage marketing. Um, HubSpot integration, we think that's a fantastic thing. We embrace the AI. We use the technology wherever we can. If you're looking to scale your business, technology is the way to go. And there was a reason the construction industry was slow to take up tech. That's because uh, everyone was too busy out on the tools working. Yeah, <laughs> and they still are. They still are. But they we're still just, are. We're just giving them a helping hand now. Well, how do you uh, get better bang for your buck out of your time? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, increased productivity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And productivity comes across many things because it is the advertising and it is just being on the tools and it is being better at accounting and it is better at tracking your metrics and your data and your platform out of of your business better as well. Yeah. 
I mean, you and I, we're sold, right? AI, automation, we love it. We use it in our day-to-day, everyday businesses. Someone who's not quite there or still on the fence or still not sold yet, why? Why should they take it up? Yeah, a really good question. And uh, it was only just a couple of weeks ago, I I was approached by a uh, shed company up here in Queensland to purchase their company. The owner wanted to retire and uh, went up there, had the meeting with them and uh, great little business, turning over a fair chunk of money and selling a lot of sheds. A pretty competitive market though. I sat there with the owner and I said, what sort of CRM are you using? And he looked at me blankly and I said, "Uh, database? looked at me blankly. Uh, I said, where are you tracking the quotes or your customers? Well, I keep them in a folder on my email there. So that's every quote I've done if you want that. Now, he wanted a million dollars for that business and he was turning over a fair chunk of money, but he literally had no trail or history of any of the customers that he'd interacted with other than that folder of emailed quotes. And it was as simple as that. So the reality was his business really had no value. There was nothing to buy there other than an existing order book. Now, if he had have had a C CRM with a database in there of clientele, people that he quoted and tracked that, or just had a list of the people that had come through with email addresses. Every lead that he'd ever generated in that business, he had no track of. Now, he'd spent all that money generating those leads and had nothing to return on that other than the sales he'd got from them at the time. So next question for you then, is it too late to start? It's never too late to start. It is literally never too late to start. If if I was anyone listening to this right now, I would get off this podcast. When we finish, not now, (laughs) make sure you hit the thumbs up and the like button at the same time. (laughs) Finish the podcast first and then go and jump online and have a look for a free trial subscription of a CRM platform. Personally, I'd lean into HubSpot because it's simple to use. It's very self-explanatory and there are some great free versions available and even the subscription ones that you have to pay for are really, really cheap in the scheme of things. So it's it's never too late. That next lead that comes through, you need to track that lead into your database and start using some software to, uh, to scale your business. Because ultimately, what you want to do is create a business that you can sell. You want to be able to sell this thing. You're doing all this work and it has value. It's not just the work that you do building it. It's what you have at the end of it, the end result. Have a saleable item. That's your exit plan. That's that's where we're going to retire, somewhere on an island in Thailand, sipping cocktails. Well, 100%. <laughs> now, when the economy slows down, you are going to want to remarket to that database. Instead yep. of having to pay for more leads, why not just go back and advertise that you've right. already got them? Yeah. So, Sue, in the building industry, one of the most regulated industries in Australia, and for good reason, safety, compliance, all the rest of it, it's not consistent across the state, so we've got some big stuff coming in this year. We have some huge stuff. Let's talk about the NCC, the National Construction Code. I know this is a hot topic right now. You know, we've been to a lot of seminars, there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of white noise. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of anxiety. Let's unpack that. What do you Yeah, there's a lot of FUD. We call it fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Yeah. And uh, it's certainly a hot button issue. And there's good reason for it too. 1,700 building companies have gone broke or gone under in the last 12 months in Australia. Yeah. It's almost an apocalypse in many segments out there. I don't think any of us know someone who hasn't been affected by that. Certainly, Mm. I've known a number of people whose home projects have not been completed or gone ahead as a result of it. And I know a lot of people that are holding off signing new home build contracts right now because they just don't trust 
what's happening around them. Yeah, especially when we've got builders going down every second day. And so then we've got the National Construction Code rollout. Now, I've yep. been a builder for over 20 years and I have never given much thought to the NCC. The new rules come out, you read the rules, you move on, you implement it. It's just the way it is. Yep. But this this time around, it's different. Yeah. The NCC rollout, uh, the version of it that was announced last year, had compliance um, and adjustments in there around a number of really difficult things mm -hmm. uh, in this country right now. Some of that was seven-star energy ratings, so getting new home bills to comply with seven-star energy ratings, and also disability and access requirements in the NCC for new home builds. Yeah. And the other confusion is when do these take place? If you've got a renovation that's happening, does it... Are you supposed to enforce it then or is it a full new rebuild or is it an existing home? You know, I attended a seminar on this with the master builders up here in Queensland and they tried to unpack it for us. And know? even they were confused. Yeah, and it, we're still going back, you know, and clarifying things and there was a lot of questions. Well, what made it even harder was that industry peak body associations like the master builders and the HIA weren't even consulted on this version of the NCC. They literally had no input into it and have not played a part in the rollout of it either, which is, well, I'll call it disgusting. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. But this was government moving ahead with policy to make its voters happy, a particular base of voters that may not, may or may not really care about the future of the building industry anyway. That's right. Without getting too political, the NCC, um, essentially that seven-star energy rollout was a really big part of the, um, you know, the, the, the kind of Greens labour part of energy saving and sustainability, using less energy to run your home, which all sounds great in theory. But when it adds forty to $50,000 to an average house build, who's copping that? That's right. And the other thing is like trying to keep up with these new legislation. If you're out on the tools, if you're out on site, you know, all day, every day, and then they roll out this new legislation and you just at what point? How many hours have we got in the day? And how yeah. do you how do you keep up with that? Well, the lack of consistency between states is the key thing here with the NCC because Victoria just announced a 12-month delay on it, on rolling it out. It's due to be rolled out in Queensland where we are today in October of this year. Now, New South Wales has delayed it. Victoria has delayed it. South Australia has delayed it. Yeah. It's a state-by-state it's a state uptake based around our own builders licensing. Um, and in, in Queensland, we have the, the QBCC, Queensland Building and Construction Commission. They license builders here and they're part of the uh, the rollout for that NCC. Now, every other state has delayed the rollout with the exception of Queensland because they're concerned about the impact it will have on their current building industry. Now, when I started this and said that 1,700 builders have gone broke already, yeah. can you imagine what, this is, what they're expecting this to do if they've delayed it more? Yeah. So, Scott, tell me, you're a small business here in Queensland what would you be doing to keep on top of it? Yeah, well, in the construction sector in particular, I would be getting versed up on, on the actual NCC itself, being aware of what's going to be involved in those new access requirements and the seven-star energy requirements. With a lot of small business contractors in the building industry, they're not exactly going to be affected at the front of the building contract because they generally don't have the building contract. They're working for a builder that would have signed a contract with a customer such as yourself for the new home. Yeah. The exposure for 
of the small business is if the builder hasn't quoted it correctly, if the builder can't finance the project or if the builder doesn't have the funds to carry the cost of the project, meaning yep. um, that uh, they've got the money to hit each stage in the project build, then the contractor who works for that builder, the small business entrepreneur, has the risk of exposure financially here. Now, we all, we've all heard about building companies going down, Porter Davis, for example, yep. and hundreds of contractors left out of pocket. Yeah. And that happened because Porter Davis didn't have enough money in the bank to cover the contracts they were currently building and couldn't hit those stage payments on those jobs. Yeah. So if I was a small business, I'd be having a close look at the supply agreement I have with that builder and I'd be checking the viability of that builder as I go forward as well. And you, there's there's resources online. So for example, if you're in Queensland, the QBCC website, you can jump on their license search and you, you can look at a builder's license number yeah. and you'll see if they've got any rectifications, defects or any of that type of stuff that they've been ordered to try and repair by the QBCC. You can also see the number of jobs that they've signed up for the year and the dollar value of those jobs. Yeah. Now with Porter Davis, they doubled their turnover of sales in 12 months. Right now, if I was a new home, um, I was going to build a new home, and I jumped online and saw that, I would be freaking out before I yeah. signed out. I signed a contract with a company that had done that. Yep. Because it's one thing to scale your sales, it's another thing to scale your building capacity. Right. So our small business entrepreneurs and our contractors need to look at the growth of the builder they're working with as well and make sure that it's sustainable because if it's ridiculous – mate, you're going to be the one left holding the can. And that just hones in the fact that do your research, you know, wherever, if you're a homeowner, if you're a builder, if you're a contractor, do your research on before you sign anything, before you sign any dotted line, check whether they're licensed, whether they're a licensed contractor, whether they're insured, you know, where they're at with their stage of the business and Check references if you have to. <laughs> you can't afford to cut corners in the building no. industry. Licensing and compliancing. The problem we have in Australia is that it's not a national standard. Yep. So you, your builder's license in Queensland, you can't cross the Tweed, for example, leave the Gold Coast, head to northern New South Wales and build work legally there. Yep. You're not allowed to do that. And I know myself when I applied for my builder's license in Victoria, even though I was licensed in Queensland and New South Wales, it took a year for them to process that application yeah, down there. Yeah. And they're desperate for builders, but it didn't hurry them along. This is Nuts and Bolts with Sue and Scott. All right, Sue, let's talk about something that I know that you love uh, and that would be one of your favourite topics. That would be money. Yes. Why do you love money, Sue? <laughs> money makes the world go round. And so, and we have a little uh, simple philosophy. I always believe that nothing free is ever valued and nothing free is ever respected. And one of the problems with the building industry is that a lot of people do stuff for free. Yes, or they cut corners or they cut margins out of where they shouldn't. And I always say... Don't decrease your margins, increase your marketing. Oh, <laughs> I, I love that. Don't decrease your margins, increase your marketing. You That's go. a fantastic There's idea. There's a little marketing plug for you. The other thing I tend to do is I, I, I defend the margin. So being an ex-military guy, and I understand the principles of defense in depth. So for me, it's like I defend my margin in pieces. And by doing that, what I mean is I make sure that I'm looking after this piece here. And outside of that, I have another protective layer. And outside of that, there's another protective layer. Yep. And all those protective layers, are the different ways we market the business and sell the business or yep. sell what we do to be able to generate leads to keep the business coming through. Yeah, and you've got to have a really creative mind to be able to look outside of your own scope as well, like not only look at income streams for your business, but then what is scalable? 
where are the opportunities? You know, where can you then take this idea or this concept or something that's just brewing and then make it into, into a cash cow for you? <laughs> and, you know, small it's hard for small business with financing or thinking about money as well because we want to make sure that we're making margins in our small business and that's really important to understand what your margin position is. Yep. But a lot of small businesses don't think about offering finance to customers. Mm-hmm. That's generally something that's left up to the bigger players. Yep. Um, but if you're a small business in the building industry, you can look at things like zip money yep. and you can look at things like afterpay. There's plenty of platforms out there that will work with you and your customers to be able to get building work done for smaller projects on their homes as well. Yeah, definitely. A lot of my clients are on Stripe, you know, they do weekly subscription payments because yep. they can't, uh, might not be able to be able to manage the end of month type of retainer or, yep. you know, that sort of thing. Or I'll use like Eventbrite um, for my workshop platforms yeah. and they pay up front and then that's it, you know, like as soon as the workshop's done and I get a pat and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, 100%. And you want to make sure that you're collecting. The, don't leave bad debts. Like yep. don't don't let people owe you money. I yep. mean, one of the things that we've been really, really good at in, in our group of businesses is making sure that we get paid. Yeah. And I've never been afraid to ring a customer and have a difficult conversation. Yeah. Not not exactly knocking on the door in an aggressive way, trying to debt collect. It's never really ever had to had to come to anything like <laughs> yeah, that, thank yeah. God. But it's more so about you're a reasonable, rational adult who engaged my services. I have the right to come over and talk to you and go, hey, you need to pay me now. Yeah. I've done the work. And I guess it's another hot topic though as well. And we can maybe do another episode on this, but making sure your T's and C's are tight. Oh, you know, yeah. making sure that you've got watertight terms and conditions that you can then back that up in your business and say, this yep. is where we stand. And Yeah, absolutely. Now in our building company, we are currently have six pages of terms and conditions in our building contracts. Now, 10 years ago, it was one page. Yep. The expansion of those terms and conditions is also an indication of where litigation has gone in our own country because people have become more litigious and people are looking for more excuses to not pay their bill as well. Yeah. So, you know, for example, if you haven't got a clause in there that relates to, in your building contract, relates to, we had to put a clause in there about TV reception. Yeah. Because we had a lady once who didn't want to pay her bill because a TV reception after we built the deck and patio roof on her house was different. <laughs> like it wasn't as good because of our deck and patio. She thought that that was justification to not pay her end wow. bill. But that was purely because a TV area was in the, needed to be in a new location. But yeah. is that our problem? Mm. Well, that's it. Hey. Your terms and conditions, I'd, I've seen some of yours. <laughs> yeah. First time you sent yours over to me, I think I, it was the 33rd page where I gave up reading. <laughs> I'll tell you, no one's getting through though. I'll tell you that much. They are watertight. And then I was also, I've just had them reviewed. So even if you think they're watertight, have them reviewed. Yeah. You know, that's a hot tip from us today. <laughs> yeah. So to, good terms and conditions, good yeah. documentation. Money's really important. Without yeah. money, you are not solvent and cash keeps the wheels of industry flowing. So let's like discuss ways that you can get money. Obviously, you know, the big banks that we can finance or or we can get money in from loans and whatnot. We can use our own capital. We can put our own our own money in there, you know, our own profit or whatnot. But what other ways can we... Well, Australia has ridiculously strict lending laws for good reason. But one of the things we love in Australia is laws. We keep writing them. We keep adding to them. And anyone who's listening to this podcast is probably in business or thinking about starting a business. Don't let the idea of the size of the rule book put you off yeah. because uh, you can get through it, hence why you're listening to this podcast in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but uh, th- those rules and regulations with regards to financing are really tough. You 
you can't private vend or finance any dollar figure under $100,000 in Australia. So if you came to me as Elevate Marketing and wanted to borrow $50,000 from me, yeah. I can't lend it to you. Yeah. Yeah. We we're just not allowed to do that. So, yeah. so there's actually um, private financing is only applicable for figures over $100,000. And then there's conditions that kick in with that as well. Yeah. So most people have to borrow money from a bank. And so, we know how much they love lending money at the moment. <laughs> Let's flip it a little bit. Say you're on the other side of the fence. Say, you know, you've worked really hard like you and I do and you've got a little bit of cash there. You know, what about investing your income streams outside of your business? Where else can you get revenue or income And let's be clear from. about this for all the folks at home. This is not financial advice. Right? <laughs> yes. is, we're the last people to be listening to for financial advice. We yeah. think we're doing okay, but uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, follow me for hot tips on the share market because <laughs> yes. trust me, that account doesn't look good. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like an 18-year-old kid's sports bet account, I can promise Should you. Should we discuss crypto or no? <laughs> <laughs> well, crypto was great. I, mean, I got on crypto early back in 2017, yeah. but when they bought in the new taxation laws around crypto, I ended up finding myself a couple of years out as far as the taxation on that goes, and I ended up pretty much paying out all my gains in tax. Yeah, right. Wasn't allowed, wasn't allowed to claim the losses, but they took their share of the wins. Ouch. And that, like a lot of things in, in this country, the tax office loves their bit. <laughs> they do. That's why it's always important to pay your tax kiddies. Yeah. 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 For anyone at home, if you're a couple of years behind on your accounts or your taxation, go see your accountant, get it up to date, call the ATO, tell them you're working on it. Yep. As long as you talk to them, you can get that sorted out. And we know there's a lot of small businesses out there that run pretty lean when it comes yeah. to doing that stuff. I was about to say the ATO are actually really reasonable if you give them a call. I've seen many, many situations where there's some big dollars that are still owed yeah. and they call them and they put them on a payment plan and sometimes even write part of the tax off. Yeah. Just call them. Well, I knew a plasterer that had a really good business. He was working for a couple of builders and he was turning over really good money. Yeah. And um, he was eight years behind on his tax. He hadn't done his company taxes and hadn't done his personal taxes. And he rang the ATO and uh, he, uh, we had a conversation about that and a bit of a laugh and a beer afterwards. But yeah. he was he was all sheepish about it because he thought he'd left it so long that they were just going to put him in jail. Yeah. And he was scared. So he was operating every day with that mindset of fear as well, yeah. which wasn't good for his business. And he rang them up, told them what he was doing. He was he finally found the guts and you know got got ahead of it, found a good accountant, worked with them and worked his way through it. And look, he had a sizable tax bill, there was no doubt about that, but they put him on a payment plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so put him on a payment plan. The ATO will extend credit to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Sue Rogan, cousin of Joe Rogan. What's the one piece of <laughs> That's not legitimate, by the way. Yeah, what's the one piece of uh, financial advice you'd give to anybody in small business? Know your numbers, 100%. Uh, whether you're good at accounting, whether you're not good. Look, I'm not good at accounting. I'm not good with numbers. You know, um, I'm, I'm a marketing person. I'm creative, you know, that sort of thing. But I self-train to know my numbers and know where they sit, know what's coming in, know what's going out. So if you need to segment to be able to put aside for your tax, do that. The worst thing you can do is get that $20,000 yeah. payment from a client and go buy yourself a ute. Or a yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because so, you think you're rich all of a sudden. Yeah. And then even if you, as much as you trust your accountant or your bookkeeper or whoever your financial advisor is, still being able to know your numbers and have those conversations just empowers you more. So, oh, that's, yeah. that's great advice for the kids at home. <laughs> Thank you. Know your numbers, defend your margins. Be creative about your payment systems. Make yep. sure your contract's tight. Tight. Seal tight. And get them reviewed often. Reviewed yeah. often. Reviewed regularly. Yeah. Compliance. Yeah. 
Great, uh, great topics today, Sue. I think we've covered off on some great bases. Yep. And uh, if you want to tune into the Nuts and Bolts podcast, we suggest you hit the subscribe button. Yeah. Um, wherever there's a thumbs up, like it if yep. you're looking at it or reading it or watching it. We always appreciate the support. Yeah. I reckon that's us done for today. Yeah. Sure. You share your thoughts. Let us know your comments. Um, yeah. We'd be interested to know we're a community here. We're out here with you guys. Yeah. This is us from the front line. <laughs> Nuts and Bolts podcast. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on the Nuts and Bolts podcast. If you found value in our conversation, make sure you subscribe, rate and review. We appreciate your support as it helps us reach more of our community. Keep up with us for more insights into the construction industry and remember, together we're building the future. Until next time.